Praise the Lord. Welcome in, everyone, to another Sower of Seeds podcast. I'm your host, Ted Johnson. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Uh, let's remember all the people down in uh, Alabama and Georgia uh, been getting those tornadoes today. Uh, let's pray for them. Uh, God will just be with them. I know that they was... Uh, there were some that were uh, killed because of them. Let's remember those families and just pray that God will just protect uh, the people as the storms come up through Tennessee on up, as they're going up toward the north northeast, I believe it is. Our kind and gracious, slow and heavenly Father, God, I thank you, Lord, for this day, and I thank you, for God, for all your wonderful blessings, Lord, that you've given us this day for keeping us safe, dear God, and lead God and directing us and just... Lord, just, just communing with us as we went through the day. And God, I just ask, Lord, that you just be with each and every one of the people, dear God, that's in the path of these storms and these tornadoes, dear God, that's coming through. Lord, that you will just, God, just be with them and just touch them, dear God, protect them, keep them safe, dear God. And be with the families, dear God, of those that have lost loved one in these tornadoes, God. Just, Lord, just, just comfort their hearts, Lord. And God, just I pray now, Lord, that you just touch my mind, my lips, dear God, Lord, that you just take control. God, God, speak through me the words that you would have me to speak, dear God. Lord, that someone may be lifted up and someone may be helped in some way. Lord, I just thank you and I praise you for everything. In Jesus' sweet name we pray. Amen. Amen. We are in the book of Judges, starting in chapter 1. Uh, chapter 1. Verse 1, Now after the death of Joshua, it came to pass that the children of Israel asked the Lord, saying, Who shall go up for us against the Canaanites first to fight against them? And the Lord said, Judah shall go up. Behold, I have delivered the land into his hand. And Judah said unto Simeon, his brother, Come up with me into my lot that we may fight against the Canaanites, and I will likewise will go with you, thee, into thy lot. So Simeon went with him. Now then, there, there are still a few um, of the nations that are left uh, in the land of Canaan that they haven't completely driven out yet. Um, Joshua has passed away, so now Judah is uh, going to be the one that is going to go up and lead the people and and their quest against these that are left so that they may uh, take their land. They have they have taken their land, but they are growing uh, quite quite steadily and they're they're needing more land. So now then they're going to have to go in and they're going to have to take more land from the inhabitants of the place. The Lord told them, you know, that he wouldn't drive everybody out all at one time, that they were going to have to drive them out as they, uh, as they grew. Uh, and uh, this is what they're doing now. They, um, they have basically gotten their inheritances set down of exactly where the, each tribe is going to be. Now then, they are getting more in number. They are growing in number, so now then they're going to have to go take some more land to accommodate the young ones that are coming up and, and going out on their own and starting families and everything. So that's where they're at right now. And when Joshua passed away, the children of Israel wanted to know who was going to go up and fight for them. 
and the Lord told him that it was going to be uh, Judah. So Judah went to Simeon and said, asked Simeon, said, would you go up and help me with uh, with my lot? And then when we get get my lot straightened out and everything, I'll come back and I'll help you with your lot. So it's, it's brother helping brother. Uh, and, you know, that's that's the way that we should be as children of God. We should help our brothers and sisters bear their burdens, no matter what they are. Yes, a lot of times, I'd say 75% of the time that I get in trouble, I get in trouble because of things that I do. Uh, and, uh, you know, and it's not nobody's fault but my own. I can blame whoever I want to, but when it comes right down to it, it's my fault. You know, I know there's there's times that God allows things to come against me uh, to strengthen me, uh, to strengthen my faith, to strengthen my trust in God, to strengthen my dependence upon Him. But there's sometimes that, uh, a lot of times, that I just do stupid things and get my own self in trouble and then have to pay for it myself. But, you know, the thing about it is it does not matter because as we go on, and, and especially right in the book of Judges, as we go through the book of Judges, we're going to find out, even though we get ourselves in trouble, God is always there, always got everything under control, and he always helps us out of those times that we get in trouble. And, you know, Judah, or Israel, is <laughs> they're to the point right now to where that um, they get in trouble a lot in the book of Judges, a lot. Uh, they don't much more get out of trouble till they turn around and they get right back in trouble again. And and but we'll we will get more into that as we go along. But Judah went up uh, in verse four, and the Lord delivered the Canaanites and the Pezrites into their hand, and they slew of them in Bezak ten thousand men. And they found uh, Adoni Benzak in Benzak, and they fought against him. And they slew the Canaanites and the Pezzarites. And Adoni Benzak fled, and they pursued after him and caught him and cut off his thumbs and his great toes. Now then, I looked this up. Uh, I thought, well, you know, this is something interesting that I would like to find out about. But this was actually a thing uh, back then, um, and even uh, on through through time, Maybe even today, I didn't uh, get into it that far, but this, uh, what it was is they would take somebody like a king or a great warrior, and when they capture him, they would cut his thumbs off. That way he couldn't hold a sword, he couldn't wield a sword, he couldn't, uh, he couldn't hold his shield, he couldn't, uh, uh, he couldn't hold a knife, he couldn't shoot a bow, he couldn't do any of those things that he needed to do as a warrior. By, by them taking his thumbs off. And then they would cut his big toes off. And when they cut his big toes off, then he wouldn't be what they would call fleet-footed. He wouldn't be able to run as fast as he was and as true as he was before. Uh, let me tell you something. Uh, I don't know how many of y'all have ever injured a, a toe of any kind on your foot, but even a little toe. Uh, I broke my little toe one time. And even a little toe will mess you up uh, in any in your walking and in your balance and, and things like that. It will really mess you up. You do not realize how 
valuable your toes are till you get one of them injured. Now then, with that said, we uh, the Bible says in many places that we are the body of Christ. We are we are a body of believers, and and God likens us into the body of Christ, and we are to work together. Not everybody has the same job, but everybody is important. I cannot stress this enough. Uh, you know, and I've said this so many times. It doesn't matter whether you're the preacher, the Sunday school teacher, a board member, a deacon, song leader, worship leader, janitor, maintenance personnel. It does not matter. It does not matter if you're cleaning a toilet, mowing a yard, teaching Sunday school, preaching a message, leading the singing. It is all very, very important. There's not one of them more important than the other. The people that are sitting in the pews that are praying for uh, the people that are ministering are very, very important part of the body of Christ. Those people that... Uh, shake your hand when you come in and, and in the door and you and when you go out the door those people that that make it a point to shake their hand and and tell you how glad they are to have you and tell you to come back and be with them again that job is just as important as the preachers i went to a lot of churches a lot well i won't say a lot of churches but i've went to some churches and i never one time got my hand shook by anybody in the congregation, not when I was coming in and not when I was going out. Not one person told me they was glad to have me. Not one person told me to come back and be with them again. They they were gotten their own little cliques and they was talking to each other and everybody else was ignored. So yes, it is a very, very important part. And the person that takes up the money, that's an important part. The, the person that cleans and vacuums and and that's very important. And the one that does the maintenance on the building, keeps the, keeps the building up, is very, very important. So it does not matter who you are in the church. Do not let anybody ever tell you that you you do not have an important part in the church just because that you there is something that you do that is not as a pastor or a, or a teacher or something like that. Because you all have to work together for the glory of God. Our bodies, our thumbs and our fingers and our toes and our feet and our hands and every arms and legs, everything's got to work in harmony with each other. If, if, if our hands or our feet had a mind of their own and decided that they didn't want to be the feet no more, that they wanted to be the hands, we would be a really messed up person. And that's what happens to the church because somebody don't like the job that God has picked out for them. They want to be something else. They they leave the job that God has got for them and try to do this other job. It messes up everything. So, you know, be happy with the job that God has given you. More likely, I've said this so many times, more than likely it won't be the job that you want to do but it's, it's the job that God has got you picked out for you because he knows you better than you know yourself. And he knows that the job that he has picked out for you will be the job that will best suit you. And let's see. And, and, 
and then verse 7. And Adoni Benzak said, Three score and ten kings, having their thumbs and their great toes cut off, gathered their meat under my table. As I have done, so God has requited me. And they brought him to Jerusalem, and there he died. So at some point in time, there's been 70 kings that has had their thumbs and their toes cut off by Adoni Benzak and have and they were basically living off the scraps that fell from his table as he, him and his um, people that lived in the palace with him ate. And he's saying now, he's, he, he is now uh, confessing what he had done. And also he's confessing that God is doing this to him because he had done this to others. You know, so, so you know, there's there's another thing we we need to be very careful about what we do. We need to be very careful about what we say because, uh, as the old saying is, it may come back to bite you one of these days. So, you know, what whatever you do and whatever you say, make sure that it is. You know, the the best the best thing that I figured out to do is when you get to the point to where that you know you're going to um, say something or you're going to do something. Uh, make sure that it is for the edifying of the person that you're saying it to or uh, and, and the lifting of them up, not the tearing of them down. If it's hurtful words, you know, and there again, when you get to the hurtful words part, there's some things that God will, will actually tell you to tell people that you will think are hurtful words, but in the end, they need to know those things. And listen, I, I mean, I have an experience with that. Um, God told me one time in church to tell this couple some things. I don't remember now exactly what it was, but I remember the, the first words out of my mouth is, Lord, you want me to tell them what? I mean, this, Lord, this, this is rather harsh. You sure you want me to tell them what you just told me to tell them? And he repeated it again. And... I hesitated quite a while and it got to the point where that I knew that it had to be done and it had to be said. So I went and I, I, I took them downstairs into the pastor's uh, office and, and I told them just exactly what they said, what God told me to tell them. And you know, they both looked at me and said, you're right. You're right. Did it help? No, it did not. But it it was off of me and on them, and you know we 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 as children of God we need to obey God no matter what is going on, and the children of Israel they had to obey God, they did not obey Him completely as we're going to find out, but they 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 had to obey God, and when we don't obey God completely, we we still get in trouble. And, and, you know, we have to follow the, the, the Bible. We have to follow it as it is written. We can't uh, leave part of it out because we don't like it and, and it goes against the way that we want to live. We can't do that. We have to take every bit of it. We can't leave, it out, leave out the crossing of a T or a dotting of an I. We have to do it all. Um, now, uh, verse 8. Now the children of Judah had fought against Jerusalem and had taken it, 
and smitten it with the edge of the sword, and set the city on fire. And afterward the children of Judah went down to fight against the Canaanites that dwelt in the mountains and in the south and in the valley. And Judah went against the Canaanites that dwelt in Hebron. Now the name of Hebron, Hebron before was uh, Kirjath Abra. And they slew Shisha and Ahim and Talaman. And from thence he went against the inhabitants of Debir. And the name of Debir before was Kirjath Sefer. And Caleb said, He that smiteth Kirjath Sefer and taketh it, to him will I give Asher, my, my daughter, to wife. And Othniel, the son of Kinsa, Caleb's younger brother, took it, and he gave Asher his daughter to wife. <laughs> now, this, this may seem like a strange thing to tell someone, uh, that uh, if you'll take this city and, and uh, you'll overrun this city and take this city, I'll give you my daughter to wife. But, uh, you know, a wife back then was a prize. Uh, it's, it's not like it is today. You know, I'm not going to really get into that, but it was it was a good woman was a prize was something to be uh, be sought to something to seek, seek after was a good woman, and of course Caleb had followed the Lord and he he worshipped the Lord and he listened to the Lord, so his daughter was a good woman, and Othniel he was he was more than happy to go in, and I'm sure that he. He gave 115% into taking this city because he wanted uh, Caleb's daughter. And when when he went in, he overtook it. He gave his daughter to him, and she uh, she wanted some land, so they gave her some land. And then she went to her father and told her, said, "You know, I need some springs." So he he gave her the uh, upper springs and the neither springs. And verse 16, And the children of the Kenite, Moses' father-in-law, went up out of the city of palm trees with the children of Judah into the wilderness of Judah, which lieth in the south of Arad, and they went and dwelt among the people. And Judah went with Simeon his brother, and they slew the Canaanites that inhabited Zephus, and utterly destroyed it. And the name of the city was called Horma. And Judah took Gaza, and with the coast thereof, and Ashkelon with the coast thereof, and Ekron with the coast thereof. And the Lord was with Judah, and he drove out the inhabitants of the mountain, but could not drive out the inhabitants of the valley, because they had chariots of iron. And they gave Hebron to Caleb, as Moses said, and he expelled hence the three sons of Anak. <laughs> I mean, we're still... We're still getting getting inheritances here, and we're still growing. And Caleb, he's he's been fighting and helping everybody else. So now then, he finally got the land that Moses promised to him because he, when uh, the Lord promised this, told Moses to promise this to Caleb because Caleb and and Joshua was the only two that when they went in to spy out the land in the first place came back with a good report. 
told them, said, we need to go in and we need to go in and take it now. I'm, the Lord has given it to us, so we need we can go in and we can take it with God's help. There's no problem with that. But everybody, all the other ones, the other 10 that went in to spy it out, they, they all brought a, a bad report and talked everybody out of going in and getting it, and they got in trouble. And they had to spend 40 years in the wilderness that they shouldn't have had to spend there because of unbelief, because they wouldn't follow God and do what he wanted them to do. But there again, even though God was punishing them, he was still blessing them. You say, well, how do you get that? Well, God punished them and told them that they that and they were going to have to wander in the wilderness for 40 years till all the original ones that came out of Egypt till they died. But in the in in doing so, God blessed them because He fed them, He gave them water, He kept them clothes. Their clothes never wore out. Their shoes never wore out. Their tents never wore out. Their utensils never wore out. And they had plenty of food, and they had plenty of water, and they had everything they needed, even though they had uh, disobeyed God. God still, he cursed them, but he still blessed them. And I'm, I'm just wondering how many of us today have been in that same situation, where that we have disobeyed God in, in some, re some way, and God cursed us he, he he punished us but yet he still blessed us and you know if you really think about it that happened more than we really really think about because just just think about it all right god is is punishing you in some way maybe you've uh, uh i don't know maybe you lost your job or or something you know i, I there's so many ways that the lord can can chastise us but still yet, he raises us up every day. He feeds us every day. He clothes us every day. And he, he gives us everything that we need every day, even though he, has puni he is punishing us for something that we didn't do. <clears throat> so <clears throat> that blessing and curse that uh, they were talking about when they first went into, into the promised land, that blessing and the curse that God, he... He administered those sometimes, the both of them, at the same time, as the same way he does us. He's blessing us, but yet he's also chastising us because of our unbelief, because we didn't do what he told us to do. And and we we don't see the blessings because it's things that normally happen to us every day. Uh, when he clothes us, when he wakes us up in the morning, when he gives us health, when he uh, he meets all of our needs, these things that he does every day, and a lot of times we, I mean I, and I'm putting I in there too, we uh, take those things for granted. We don't thank God for those things. We don't thank him for a good night's rest and waking us up in the morning and and helping us to get out of bed and and i i'm 64 years old and i have a lot of arthritis but you know i thank god for being able to walk i thank him for being able to bow and to call upon his name i thank him for being able to go to work every day sure i hurt sometimes i hurt a lot 
but I am able to move and I am able to do the things that I need to do to provide. And yes, maybe that's my that is part of my curse is is my arthritis. I don't know, but I know that God blesses me, and I I tend to dwell more on the blessings than than I do the cursings and the pain and stuff. Uh, let's see now where we are. And the, uh, verse twenty one. And the children of Benjamin did not drive out the Jebusites that inhabited Jerusalem. But the Jebusites dwell in the children of Benjamin in Jerusalem unto this day. Oh, and uh, back up to 19, where the Lord was talking about they uh, drove the inhabitants out of the mountain and could not drive out the inhabitants of the valley because the ones in the valley had the chariots of iron. Um, I don't know uh, if the chariots of iron, if that was something that was uh, a... a my mental fight, you know, you know, that they saying, well, you know, we, we can't take these people out of, out of here because their, their chariots are made of iron or was it, um, I don't know what it was, but uh, you know, there's a lot of times I know the Lord has, has was speaking to me and, and there's a lot of times that we lose battles with Satan and with the world. We lose battles in our mind before we ever start to fight those battles. And I'm just wondering if that's the same thing with the, with the, uh, with these, because of the fact that they, they were, uh, a little higher, uh, organized and had uh, chariots of, of iron, um, that they figured, well, you know, <laughs> these are, they look at them. This is the place where that we look at something and we draw a conclusion before we ever talk to the Lord about it. And this, I think this is where the children of Israel was at with the, the Canaanites that were in the valley because they looked at them and they were a little more advanced and their chariots was made out of iron instead of wood and they know that uh, they couldn't burn them and, and uh, they didn't think that, you know, that they could take care of them and their arrows wouldn't pierce it. So they, they backed off, uh, so to speak, and they, they, didn't, they didn't try their best maybe. And, you know, we, we get the same way. When we get to, to things that were that um, we look at them, things that comes in our life, our, our finances go away, our, our home life goes away, we lose our job, uh, different things, our health gets real bad. We, we look at these things and we figure that there is nothing that we can do about them and we sort of lose hope and this is where that we need to really put our trust and our faith in God to help us through these times. This is the times when we really need to be praising the Lord and following him and finding out just exactly what he wants us to do at this point in time. You know, God gave every inhabitant that was in this land, God gave the Israelites the promise and the ability to go in and to completely wipe them out. And they let their unbelief, their insecurity, uh, whatever you want to call it, they let them overtake them and they didn't do what God told them to do. And they got in trouble for it. And they, they get in trouble many times because that they do not do this. 
and they went through a, a lot of these places, and they took out some of the inhabitants, and some of them they couldn't. And then the Lord, if we go over to chapter 2, the Lord told them, well, there was an angel that showed up. And uh, all right, in chapter 2, verse 1, And an angel of the Lord came up from Gilga to Bosham and said, I made you to go out of Egypt and have brought you into the land which I swear unto your fathers. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you. And ye shall make no league with the inhabitants of the land. Ye shall throw down their altars, but ye have not obeyed my voice. Why have you done this? If we go back, Joshua, he made a league with some of them that um, dealt wildly, wildly with him. In other words, they, they uh, I can't think of the word now, but anyway, they, they tricked him into thinking that they had come from a, a far, land, far off land and they wanted to make a treaty with them. When they come find it out, they were just uh, right down the road from them so that they couldn't do anything. Even though they had tricked Joshua and the Israel, Israelites, they would not, uh, they kept their word. They would not kill them. They would not take them out because they had promised them that they would not. And, and the Bible and God, plainly told him before not to make no league with nobody. And then then here we go in, in chapter 1. They're going in with the Canaanites and the Pezzarites and the Hivites and all these other nations that are in there, and they are making league with them, and they are living among them. Yeah, they pay them tribute, but they are living among them when the Lord told them to completely drive them out and to do away with all of the inhabitants of the land and not to make a league with them. And they did it anyway. Because of unbelief. See, our unbelief gets us in so much trouble that it is, it is, it, it's not funny, uh, really. It, it, if you sit down and think about it, of all the blessings that we cheat ourselves out of just because of unbelief, because that we just really don't want to do something. We get lazy and, and uh, well, Lord, I don't want to do that. You know, uh, I'm, I'm here in the middle of Walmart. People make fun of me if I go up and start praying for this person. Well, you know what? I've come to the conclusion it's a whole lot better to have God, uh, for, to have people to make fun of you then it is to have God uh, chastise you. So, yeah, uh, you know, these people, just think, though, maybe. Just think of one thing. All right. If if you were in Walmart uh, or wherever and God told you to pray for somebody, somebody that you did not even know, and you walked up and talked to this person and told them what the Lord told you, and you pray for this person right there in the middle of Walmart, how big of a witness is that going to be for God? How big of a witness is that going to be? How many people are going to be standing around and see you do that and are going to, are going to start thinking about their own life and going to start thinking about God? You never know about those things. See, that's, that's the one thing that we don't never know about, we don't never think about until it's too late. But 
you know, we, we need to think about those things. It may not be so much that the person that you're praying for needs prayer, which I'm sure that they do, but um, the thing I'm trying to get at is the one thing that may be the most important is is somebody else is going to be watching that needs that prayer that you're praying for that person and the fact that you're doing it and obeying the Lord, they need to see that more than that person needs the prayer. Uh, I'm not saying that person doesn't need prayer because God wouldn't tell you to pray for them if they didn't need prayer. But there's always, you know, we look at the here and now. And Jesus is always looking ahead in time. And when he has us to pray for that person and somebody that is watching needed to see that and needed that very badly. So this, this you're doing actually doing more good than you really think that you are. So yes, above all things, obey God. Obedience is better than sacrifice. And you know, children of Israel, they had to sacrifice animals to get their sins under the blood to get forgiveness of their sins. They had to make a, a sacrifice, a physical sacrifice of an animal. And now God is telling us that obedience is a whole lot better than those sacrifices that they made. And, you know, even the sacrifices that we make sometimes for the Lord, obedience is so much better uh, than those. You know, we, we look at the here and now and what people think about us, but like I said, Jesus is looking down the road and he knows he knows exactly who's going to be watching and he knows exactly what they need, the people that are watching you. He knows exactly what they need. So yes, he is, he is going to be blessing us by doing what, we, what he wants us to, but he also will be blessing the person we're praying for and those people that are watching. So, you know, we don't never know. But we just need to obey and not worry about it. Because all things that God tells, God will not tell us to do something that is going to harm us or harm someone else. Sure, they'll, they'll probably be somebody that will make fun of you. Big deal. You know, I'd rather get made fun of by people than to get judged by God. Number three. Wherefore I also said, I will not drive them out from before you, but they shall be as thorns in your sides, and their God shall be a snare unto you. Hmm. Thorns in your side and a snare unto you. The people's going to be a thorn in their side, and their God's going to be a snare unto them. And it, it captures a lot of them a lot of times. They get, they get in uh, a lot of trouble. Uh, the children of Israel do because of the gods of the people that they did not run out and the ones that they made leagues with. And it came to pass when the angel of the Lord spake these words to all the children of Israel that the people lifted up their voice and wept. And they called the name of that place Bochum, and they sacrificed there unto the Lord. And when Joshua had let the people go, the children of Israel went every man into his inheritance to possess the land. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord, and he did for Israel 
And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died being a hundred and ten years old. And they buried him in the border of his inheritance in Timnath Harris, in the Mount of Ephraim, on the side north side of the hill of Gash. And also all the generation were gathered into their fathers, and there arose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and served Balaam. And they forsake the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt, and followed other gods, of the gods of the people that were round about them, and bowed themselves unto them, and provoked the Lord to anger. And they forsook the Lord, and served Baal, Baal and Asheroth. Now then, angel told them, said they're, they're going, the people's going to be a thorn in your side, and their gods are going to be a snare to you. But, you know, I, can, I can't help to think, because it says here that when all that generation that, that uh, were gathered to the fathers of them which uh, knew not the Lord, or which knew the Lord and which followed the Lord, when they all all passed away, then the, the next generation started following after the gods of the people. Okay. Um, my thoughts on that is, is the reason why that they started following all these other gods and everything is, number one, possibly, I don't have Bible to back this up. This is just my thoughts is because they are in the same situation that the world we live in today is in. Our, our, their parents and the ones that were supposed to be teaching the younger generation uh, about war and about God and, and about uh, all that he did for them, how he brought them out of Egypt and brought them through the wilderness and everything, they did not tell their children that. Uh, you know, we uh, we have schools today, and we have Sunday school, and we have uh, children's church, and we have our schools, and uh, a lot of Christian schools out there, and and we have left the teaching of our children to other people instead of doing it ourselves, and uh, especially in our schools nowadays, some of the teachers. Uh, do not know the Lord and, and do not want the Lord in their classroom. So therefore they do not teach that anymore. And therefore our children are not being taught uh, about God and about Jesus and the death, burial and resurrection, because we as parents have quit taking them to church. We are sending them to church and we are, trying to tell them to live a, a good, clean life and everything, and we are living like the world in front of them, but yet we expect them to live some other way. And then we wonder why that the world is in such a shape that it is when we, as children of God, when we as parents have failed our children, failed to teach them about the Lord, failed to teach them right from wrong, and we have left that up to everyone else, and those that we have left that uh, teaching up to to tell our kids about these things are not qualified to tell them 
about God and about the things that he can do and about Jesus and the death, burial, and the resurrection. They are not qualified to do that because they know nothing about it themselves. So therefore, they can't teach. So the, when the elders and the ones that knew the Lord and knew about all the things that the Lord had done for them, when they had passed away, the next generation hadn't been taught about all those things. So they they basically followed their hearts and, and went and chased after everything else because they'd seen the people doing that and they thought that that was the way. When our parents have wasn't doing the things that they were supposed to be doing. They weren't sacrificing like they were supposed to. They weren't taking their tithes to the church like they were supposed to. They weren't having their solemn feast like they were supposed to. So therefore, the children that came up the next, they had no idea what was going on, so they went and followed other gods. And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and he delivered them into the hands of the spoilers that spoiled them, and he sold them into the hands of the enemies round about so that they could not any longer stand before their enemies. Whithersoever they went out, the hand of the Lord was against them for evil, as the Lord had said, and as the Lord had sworn unto them, and they were greatly distressed. <laughs> See here that they had gotten themselves in trouble, for lack of knowledge, for not wanting to do, for not wanting, maybe not even, maybe they were told, but they just did not want to hear. They seen other people doing things that they thought was a whole lot easier than what they had to do. Um, you know, it, it's a whole lot easier to go out and and sacrifice to this statue and and then go out and have fun afterwards and not have to worry about all these different commandments and, and statutes and judgments and everything you had to do. So they just they just went out and lived their life and, and had fun and had a good time. And every once in a while they go sacrifice to this statue or go into this grove and do whatever they'd done. And they were happy with that. But God was not. And he his anger was... Uh, was roused up and he got very angry with them and he he done exactly what he told them that he was going to he he let people come in and take over and take them captive and they had to serve them and then when they get distressed and everything then what happens verse 15 uh, 16 nevertheless nevertheless even though they had completely forgotten about God and went off and worshipped other gods and everything. Nevertheless, the Lord raised up judges, which delivered them out of the hand of those that spoiled them. Yes, God will deliver you even though you get yourself in trouble, even though you do things that you're not supposed to do. All you have to do is, is just ask God to forgive you. And he will forgive you. And he will uh, he will bring you back to where you were at. He will set you up on that solid rock with him. And he will clean you off. And he will get you on the right path again. Even though you did this by yourself. You know, I have done many things. But just <laughs> out of stupidity, really. I, now that I sit and think about it, 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 it's stupidity. 
but I did I did things that was that was wrong. But yet, even though I did those things, there again, the curse, the curse came upon me. God, God, uh, he took his blessings away from me. He, he, uh, and he, he made it hard on me. But still yet, he blessed me every day. He woke me up. He fed me. He clothed me. He, he I had a job. And, you know, everything that, you know, that I take for granted. He blessed me with those things every day, even though I had turned my back up on him and I had quit following him and I had went chasing after other gods. He still blessed me. Even today, God is still blessing us, even though we turn our back on him and we go chasing after other gods and, and we're, we're doing everything that God tells us not to do he still blesses us. He's still watching over us. He's still right there with his hand out, wanting us to come back, wanting us to ask for forgiveness of our sins. And, and when we do, it's just like the prodigal son. When we ask forgiveness, he don't wait on us to come to him. He runs out to meet us. He runs out to meet us. And he picks us up and he cleans us off. He puts on, he puts shoes on our feet and clothes on our body and rings on our hand. And he, and he makes us somebody. He has, and then the angels in heaven are, are having a party. They're singing and shouting because one soul has come back. And yet we, we turn right around and we do it again. We do it again. And the children of Israel, if you go on and read the rest of chapter two, they they do that quite a few times. They 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 go off, they start chasing after other God, God raises up judges, and they they turn their heart and life back over to the Lord, and as long as these judges are in in place and are judging over them and watching over them, they are following after the Lord. But just as soon as those judges die off, they go right back to the way they were. See, we, we need constant <laughs> help. We need constant looking after. And that's the reason, that's what, you know, the Lord is doing. Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father, and he's making intercession for, for us. He's the one that's looking after us. He's the one that is trying to get us to wake up and, and figure out that, hey, we've done, we, <laughs> we messed up. We need to get back where we were at. We need to get back to that place where that that uh, he can use us and he can bless us, uh, and and we still yet we we think that we're all right and everything's fine, even though we are not really exactly where we're supposed to be. But he was still blessing us. But it, there's also going to be, like I said, there's also going to be some chastisement. So you might as well get ready for that. And. You know, like I said, take the time to read the rest of chapter two, and and matter of fact, in one place here in verse nineteen, and it said, it "Came to pass when the judge was dead that they returned and corrupted themselves more than their fathers in following the others, following other gods to serve them and to bow down unto them. They ceased not from their own doings nor from their stubborn ways." We go back to the children of, children of Israel. Many times did God call them stiff-necked people. 
which meant stubborn, set in their ways. They didn't want to change. They, they, you know, we see so many people. They they get a way of life, and uh, they get into a place of living for the Lord, and they don't want to change. They want to stay in that one place. They don't want to go forward. They don't want to go backwards. They want to stay right there. Well, you know, they are children of God. Don't get don't get me wrong. They are children of God. But the thing about it is, if they don't move forward, they're going to become stale. They're going to, their their fire is going to go out, and they're going to become. Uh, um, they're eventually going to going to backslide completely from the Lord because they are not doing what God wants them to do. They are happy, right? I, I call them the people that are saved and satisfied, and they don't want to move. They want to stay just exactly where they're at because they're happy there. Uh, they don't have to do anything, and they are on their way to heaven and they're saved and satisfied and they're going to sit down and they're going to wait on the Lord to come back and get them. And, you know, I'm there again. If we go back to the to the virgins, the Bible, the ten, ten virgins, five of them were wise and five of them were foolish. You know, they all slumbered and slept, but the ones that were wise, they made sure, even though they slumbered and slept, they made sure that, that, that their oil was good. They made sure that they had enough oil in their vessels to last him till a bridegroom cometh. The ones that were foolish, they, they didn't care about the oil. They were just waiting on the bridegroom to come. So, But when the, when the call come out that the bridegroom was cometh and they all woke up and trimmed their light and their lamps and everything, the, one that was, the five that were wise, they didn't have enough oil to get them in to the to the get them in the door so they had to go buy the oil they had to go find somewhere to get some oil and buy it and then come back and when they got back the door was shut and they couldn't get in so you know that's that's the one thing that worries me is is all of those that are sitting around waiting on god to come back and get them when it comes time for the lord to come back and get them will they have enough Godly have enough of God to get them into heaven, or will they have to try to replenish that and and wake up and figure out that they need to move forward? Will they have enough time to get where they need to be to make it into heaven? That's that's the thing that we need to worry about. Listen, I thank you all for listening. I hope you all got something out of this. And until the next time, may God bless you all.